Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. We have a special edition podcast on this Thursday, January 7th, 2021, because it is a big day in baseball, as the Cleveland baseball team has sent its shortstop Francisco Lindor, along with Carlos Cookie Carrasco, to the New York Mets for a bunch of stuff. And we'll get to that bunch of stuff a little bit later on. But the two headliners in this deal, as I bring in my friend Tristan H. Cockroft, Kyle Sabi produces and researches today. Um, we're going to probably start doing some special podcasts when there's major news. This is major news. And frankly, good news that we can deal with this right now. So, Tristan, Francisco Lindor is a potential first-round pick in fantasy. And until I learned of what was coming back in the deal, um, you know, like, is Ahmed Rosario, is he staying? And now it turns out he's in the deal as well. It's kind of breaking news. It's kind of still going down. but. Good for the Mets. I've been saying this all offseason, ever since Steve Cohen was out there uh, on TV and tweeting and being, I wish he was the owner of my team. Like, this is this is great news for Mets fans who want to contend in 2021 and beyond. Uh, Lindor and Fantasy, do you like him more? Do you like him less? Does nothing change? <laughs> First off, did someone say cookie? <laughs> oh, it's... You know, it, it, it's it's as simultaneously good for fantasy baseball and I guess for baseball, at least the Mets side of it, as it is kind of bad for baseball just because of what it means for Cleveland's baseball team at this point. Um, I, I think for Lindor himself, it, it doesn't change a lot fantasy-wise. And primarily that's because we all ranked him as a first-round uh, talent, and I think that's still what he is. It, it actually creates greater interest for me for the Mets. Uh, Look at the swing of defensive numbers at shortstop. I mean, we know about Ahmed Rosario and the criticisms of the Mets' defense later uh, or lately over the past couple of years. But over the past three seasons, I mean, you couldn't get much of a, a, a much greater swing unless you got Andrew, Andrelton Simmons than going from Ahmed Rosario, who I think was negative 29 in defensive runs saved since the beginning of 2018, to Francisco Lindor, who was somewhere in the, within the range of positive 30. Well, <laughs> I assume... I assume Andres Jimenez was going to be their shortstop. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's obviously a big difference in offense. I wasn't thinking about the defense because Rosario, to me, was a bench guy. He's, you know, not going to start for them. But, but well, the way you to... think of I'm, – I'm talking the way you've come to think of the Mets and their pitchers and the criticism of the team's overall defense. They are trending very significantly in the right direction. It's a very good thing, good thing for the, the composition of the team. Do you think Francisco Lindor is overrated statistically in fantasy? Because if you look at his numbers from the 2020 season, they aren't very good. OPS was down 100 points. Uh, power was down. Um, I'm looking through his numbers, and I don't see any reason for this. This is not BABIP. This is this just looks like a two-month blip. I mean, his ISO dropped, but he had more line drives. Ground ball rate went down. That's a good thing. Walks and strikeouts were fine. In fact, they both went up. So. I'm basically going to say I don't care what Lindor did in 2020. To me, I'm looking at him as not the 2018 guy, but the 2019 guy. In that 38 home run seems like a lot. 30, I'm looking at him as a 30 homer guy who can steal 20 bases. And I have no idea where the Mets bat him in the lineup, but they could go one, two, three with him. But I like him as a 2019 guy. How do you like him statistically? Well, the Mets get their, yeah, their, I, to me, I think he's a one or two hitter for them. And that's what one of the things I pointed out I thought they needed. 
I, I agree with you. I think that the the 38 homer season is getting a little bit optimistic. Many things went right in that year for him. Um, I, I think he's got decent speed. He's got pop. I actually think he's a more capable hitter for batting average than he has shown to this point in his career. What I like about him is not so much that I think he's a clear MVP. I think the reason he's an MVP is the defense comes into play, and that's in the real game. In fantasy, you're right. He's probably a little bit overrated. I like him as a first-round pick because there's a low uh, chance that he fails on the investment. I don't think that the floor is so steep that if you take Lindor with your first-round pick that you're going to be left high and dry. The only argument I can make against him with that is just that shortstop's so deep. So maybe it's somebody else at shortstop, Trevor Story, Trey Turner, etc., who you'd prefer to go with because they give you more upside or Turner gives you more stolen bases. We talked a lot about Turner in the last show. Yeah, I'm looking at Lindor as a first-round pick. I'm not sure exactly where I rank him right now, but I feel like he needs to be in the top 10. Like, Lindor versus Trey Turner. You're getting more power. You're getting less speed. You're getting plenty of – I mean, he's going to score a ton of runs with, the, you know, McNeil and Alonzo and Dom Smith batting after him. I mean, you originally – I'm trying to see. You have Lindor 15. Yeah. So, look um, at it this way. In, in our standard game, I don't think he was really a first-round selection. But in the deeper leagues, you know, Tal Wars 15 team mixed, for example, I, I do think he's still and uh, he was and he still is a first round pick. I would take I would take him over Bellinger and Yelich right now. So I, I think I like him a little bit more than I did yesterday. I'm going to move him up a few spots. Now, I'm not sure where I, ha- I have to look at my own rankings. I guess I should just go look at my own rankings. But um, that's what I would I, I like. that. That's my gut feeling is that he moves up for me. Um, let's talk. So I have Lindor 14. I have Yelich 8. I might move him up to 8 or 9. Yeah, I like him. I might move him ahead of Jose Ramirez now. I'm I'm looking at both of ours. I had 12, Yelich 15, Lindor. You had Yelich 8. You had Lindor 14. I I could see the case for swapping the two in the rankings um, once I complete the deeper dive on Yelich and what went wrong for him last season. I don't want to be pessimistic about him. I'm not trying to say wow, we overranked him and we vastly underranked Lindor. But I don't have a, a major issue with that. I think that's the range for both, and I'm more optimistic. I'm with you. All right, so Lindor moves into my first round and maybe yours. Let's talk about the pitcher, Carlos Carrasco. I have a cookie red shirt that I bought after the what he went through and uh, to raise ch- money for charity, the leukemia. He had leukemia, right? Um, I think that's what it was. I probably should make sure. But yeah, I, I, I like – I thought he looked really good in 2020. I thought he went deep enough in the games. The strikeout stuff was there. I initially have him ranked 22. He's going to move into my top 20. He would, I would take him ahead of Steven Strasburg right now and Tyler Glass now because I actually think he's more durable than those guys. And I think it's a, kind of the same thing you said with Lindor. The floor on Carrasco is actually quite high. And I like him going to a contending team. You're shaking your head. Like, are no, you concerned? No, I, I – uh... <laughs> You're right. From a a natural course of things perspective, Carrasco doesn't have a steep floor. The floor is artificially driven down by the fact he missed time with leukemia. And I don't think it's fair to attribute that to a risk for for him this season. I I just don't. I, I, I don't think there's an injury label to slap on him here, at least not to any severe degree. Right. Which is why I would take him over glass now in Strasbourg right now. And probably Greinke. Yeah, I could definitely see that. He's, I had him over Strasburg already. He's going into my top twenty for sure. I'm going to update my rankings today. How um, do you put other... in the top? Tw- the, the The problem is we just talked the whole Blake Snell, Lance Lynn, and and 
et cetera, uh, top 20 candidates. How are you getting Carrasco in there? You're going to have to bump somebody meaningful to get him out. Glasnow and Strasburg, who I think I'm overranking. Okay. And I, again, I like Carrasco, Carrasco more. Top 20? I have Carrasco 22. No, Strasburg. I have him 20, which is a little too high. Um, I just, I, I think, you know, we have a tendency to say when players get traded from one league to the other that they, they, they need time to adjust. I don't believe that. And I think with Carrasco, it's a nice pitching park in New York. So obviously, he's taking the best defender with him, <laughs> so that helps. And I, I just think that Carrasco is really good. So I, and motivated to now it's a it's a team that I think can win the World Series. I mean, Dodgers, Padres, one two in some order. Mets, I think, are a top five team in baseball right now. Even if they don't get Springer, or they're obviously not getting Real Muto. They're probably not getting Bauer now. They don't. Maybe they don't need to. I mean, if you look at the Mets depth chart, I mean, Lindor basically replaces their number nine hitter. In Jimenez and goes to number one, pushes everybody else down if they want to do that. And their rotation, I mean, they needed this bad. All they have right now are DeGrom and Stroman. Stroman did not pitch last year. Syndergaard, God knows when he's going to pitch again. David Peterson looked good. Lugo, maybe. I mean, if Steven Matz is in the rotation. So, like, Carrasco replaces Matz. I mean, you couldn't get better upgrades than what the Mets did today in this trade. I, I, that's an amazing trade. I, we know Mets fans, and good for them. Honestly. Yep. And uh, in, in Carrasco's case, it actually was a very good year that people allowed to sneak beneath the radar. The fact that he only won three games pushed him down to starting pitcher 30, which is still a very good finish. If you give him the seven wins that Zach Davies had, you give him four more wins. He's a top 15 starting pitcher from the abbreviated 2020. Just showing how good this guy can be. I agree with you. I think that there's a narrow range here that he's very likely to hit that has a high end of maybe the 12th, 13th starting pitcher. And the low end is somewhere in the 30 to 31 range. I like getting a guy like that as probably my number two starter in a fantasy league. I'm going to be all in on him because there will be more run support. I think you can count on more wins for him. And you mentioned about the, the league change. The only discernible data I had to support that was National League hitters going to the American League. But remember that that was one that was a little further back when we saw the Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera types and guys even before them. I don't know that there is a a tendency for that for each player nowadays. And by the way, I don't look at the player radar at all for pitchers in the shortened season because of because of what you just said. Wins and, and saves. They're so arbitrary. He had three wins. I'm looking at his game by game in the final six starts. He didn't. He gave up a total of seven runs in his final six starts, and he won one of those games. A ton of strikeouts, didn't give up runs. They just didn't score for him. Mets are going to score for him. This is a potential it's a potential top 10 starting pitcher in fantasy right now. It On is. the high end potential, you're right. And that's why I threw 12-13 is that it's getting close. If you want to go for the most optimistic, I can see the past. I, mean, if you, I, if, I predicted uh, Cy Young's in the past. Like, we have Giolito ranked, I don't know, 10, 11, maybe even better. Why can't Carrasco do what Giolito? We don't think Giolito is going to finish with a 250 ERA, just like we don't with Carrasco. So, like, Lance Lynn versus Carrasco right now. Lynn will probably have the higher ERA, right? They're both going to get lots of wins on their offensively good teams. Like, what? Like if Lance Lynn's going in round four and Carrasco's going in round eight, give me Carrasco. Yeah, yeah. Um. Carrasco, the things he does great is he's the combo of ground ball and swing and miss. Yep. He's a 45% ground ball guy. He's usually just scratching the surface of 30% with the strikeout rate. I love that combo. 45 and 30 is just the dream for a pitcher. That is the, yeah, the, have, 
that's the epitome of the low risk type. I agree with you. And I have him in our, in our large sim league and I'm not happy with the league, but I am happy that I have Carrasco on that team because he's going to be really good. I, I, I love this. Uh, all right. So that's the Mets side of it. We'll see where Lindor bats, but you're right. It seems obvious. I mean, he'll bat first. Uh, Nimmo can move down to like seven, eight, nine. That's a fantastic lineup. It, the rotation can't match the Padres or Dodgers, but you know if they sign Bauer in addition to all this, then I think it can. So I, I'm gonna, I think the They're Mets are better than the Braves right now. They're definitely adding somebody else. I, I by the way, uh, I mean a, a little tangent here is. If Major League Baseball did in some way, the worst case scenario here, and I hate to engage that possibility, that they stick to to divisional play, the breakdown of Major League Baseball is going to be interesting to see. A lot of teams that are competitive in the East, a lot in the West, and the Central is going to be a little bit weaker. And if the Central played only itself and the East and the West only played themselves, it's going to be interesting to see. I kind of hope we can just see a natural schedule this season. We don't have to worry about that. And we should note here, this is, I guess, similar to the Mookie Betts trade. He has one year of contract left, just like Betts did. The Mets now can sign him to a long-term contract. I assume they will. Um, you know, we went a year ago when the Betts trade happened. I don't want to speak for you, but I was a little bit concerned about him going to the Dodgers and thinking, oh, there's going to be, it's going to take him some time to get going, and he might worry about his deal. And none of that happened. He was an MVP talent. So I'm not going to do that with Lindor. I'm I'm going to move him up. In my, I, the Mets are going to sign him long term. And as a Phillies fan, you know that's not good for the Phillies, but for baseball. And again, it's good for New York baseball. It's bad for Cleveland baseball. But we're seeing this across the sport where teams are shedding salary. You can say what you want about owners. One of my friends just texted me and said it's a disgrace that Cleveland could do this. Yeah, but you know they don't make the money that the New York teams, that the LA teams make. It's not quite the same. Cleveland is not a terrible team right now. Like, we're going to go through it and talk about the players in this deal because they're worse. They're noticeably worse. They're noticeably worse, but you knew Lindor was going. The question is who's pitching in the rotation? Because you've got Bieber, Plesak, and Savali. Does this mean that Tristan McKenzie gets a legit shot in the rotation or the lefty Logan Allen? Possibly. Or Kyle Quantrill, who might be more of a swingman type. Mm-hmm. And they have been very good, especially with the development of guys like Savali and Plesak. And Plesak, actually, ha- the more I look at him, the more I, I realize how shockingly good a breakthrough that, that he had. Uh, they are very good at developing pitchers. It's a little bit like that. The, you know, the, the attention we give to Tampa Bay for developing pitchers, Cleveland warrants a bit of that themselves. Absolutely. I, 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 you're um, the... the I was feverishly trying to get where we had had bets for last season. I can't do it. <laughs> he wasn't top three or four. I, we, no, he we, wasn't. But but I remember I applied the ballpark translations to him last year and left it simply at that. Um, but yeah, maybe that's the lesson that we don't we don't get too pessimistic about a team change. All right, um, let's talk about Cleveland side of this because they they got something back here. This was not, you know, when when bets went. Alex Verdugo went from Los Angeles to Boston, and I thought, I want Verdugo in a fantasy league. I think he's going to hit for average. He's not a big power, big speed guy, but enough to matter. Like, I thought he could be better than Benintendi. I didn't rank it that way. I really should have because I did not believe in Benintendi. But Verdugo is pretty good. What if Andres Jimenez is pretty good? Because this is a guy who can certainly steal bases. He can defend. 
I, I kind of like him in fantasy. And now I assume, you know, Cleveland's not dumb enough to put <laughs> the other guy short. He can't field. Jimenez is a shortstop. I, I like this move. I, I, Jimenez is not a guy with much power or play discipline, but he stole eight bases in 21 games. Or no, in 49 games. So you could see a path to him stealing 25 or 30 bags, and that would be valuable in a roto league. But again, he might bat ninth for Cleveland too. Do you like Jimenez or Ahmed Rosario here at all? Rosario has got talent. He showed it two years ago, three years yeah, ago. Yeah, and I'll choose to put words in your mouth here because I don't think what you're saying is that Rosario is just not a good player or shouldn't be playing. I think the conundrum for the Indians, and I agree with this one, is they need to find a place for him, and it's probably not going to be shortstop. But I am optimistic that it's going to work out in time. I'm not sure I want to get on board in fantasy from day one in Cleveland for him. I just think he's young and the change of scenery, which if coupled with a change of position, most likely, I think we might see things begin to pay off. And if the price drops, then I'll be on board. Jimenez, I'm not a big Jimenez fan. I think he's a a solid, adequate potential major league regular. I think he's capable enough with defense. I think he, you mentioned the speed. He doesn't walk a lot. He has practically no power. I feel a little like, you know, this is a Malik Smith type for fantasy. And I, I don't want to get a little bit ahead of myself on a player like that. You think he's more than that? I don't. But, and and you know what? In a mixed league, I probably don't take him because I, I always preach everybody needs some power. I actually think this is really good news for Rosario. Like, it, it, whether he plays second or center field or whatever they do with him. I mean, the numbers he put up in 2019 were pretty legit. That's a 15 home run, 19 steal season, and neither of those numbers looked out of line. He's really talented. Yeah. He just 2020, he was awful, and I'm I'm blowing and and like like remember when his teammates applauded when he finally got his first walk of the season, and he <laughs> thought it was funny. Yeah. And yeah. I'm thinking, no, dude, that's not funny. It's embarrassing that you're not taking any walks. You'd be a better player if you had any plate discipline at all. Yep. It's not too late for him to develop some. I I would. Certainly, rather draft Rosario over Jimenez in a fan, in a mixed league. The question is, are either going to be far. drafted? Yeah, that that's that's exactly it. Is that are they going to fall far enough that the value is worth it for you? And, and this is not to sing Rosario's praises. That you said he doesn't walk. So my criticism of Jimenez applies to Rosario. Rosario is pop. That's a pretty significant difference to me. The only issue is from a real game perspective, no defense, uh, the position is in question. So maybe he doesn't get the playing time. But yeah, I agree. I, I would personally prefer to have Rosario between the two. Yeah, because as I look at Cleveland's roster right now, I mean, obviously they have a super big hole at shortstop. I would play him in as their center field. I mean, Bradley Zimmer, is that who they're going to count on? Jordan Luplo, Mercado, who was just Oscar Mercado who was really good in 2019, but terrible last year. They've got a lot of names now, and Rosario goes into that bucket of players with upside like Mercado and Zimmer. I I don't know if I want to bet on any of them, but I kind of feel like Rosario has the best shot between he, Zimmer, and Mercado to play more, to hit more. I could see that. I'm I'm curious. I mean – the only concern I have really, when you, especially when you look at the outfield there, is just that the Indians have mixed and matched the outfield for so long during the Francona tenure that I just don't know about lockdown everyday roles for any of the individuals. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And, and man, I'm looking at this lineup and like, Jose Ramirez is kind of all alone now. What if he's next? 
that's I've thought about that is is why not consider shopping Jose Ramirez? Well, I'm sure they're thinking about it. I mean, look, they got rid of 40 million in salary here, whatever the number is. It's something like that. And say whatever you want about it, but they had to do it. Okay. I mean, you could say, you know, the general manager was told to do it. <laughs> okay. I don't know if they had to do it, but the general manager was told to do it, just like Tampa Bay was told to do it. Just like the Phillies, don't sign anybody. The general manager, Dombrowski, is being told, don't sign anybody. Gosh, who He's leads off for this team? I, you're right. I look at it and I just, who's going to lead off for them? That's now, a bad now the, team. the Mets' former problem is what the Indians or the, the the baseball team's you know problem is now. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I think um, this is worse than the Blake Snell move. It's worse than the Mookie Betts move because now Boston had a terrible you know two month season, but that was because of the pitching. It wasn't because they moved Betts. I mean Verdugo was valuable, but Cleveland get it is getting nothing back that can, I mean, unless Rosario does something right away, man, oh man, this is even worse than I thought. Well, the prospect, um, the prospect is a, is a decent one. Though. Is the prospect better than Jeter Downs? So the prospect I guess you're talking about is... Who? Isaiah Green. Isaiah Green. Now, how close is he to the majors? Not very close at all. I mean, we're talking about a high school prospect. I mean, Josh Wolf was the other one. Uh, I'm a little less familiar with him. Second round pick. I mean, Green is like 20 years old. Actually, I think he's 19. Um, but no, this is what I mean. Like, these are guys that they're taking for some time down the road. And I, I don't look at those two and think an immediate blue chipper. So, yeah, I have some questions. Is there anything else here that we need to discuss as part of this trade? Obviously, the prospect is it's further away than Jeter Downs. So that's a totally different thing there. That's why this is a lot worse than the Mookie Betts trade. It really is. And it's almost like, well, in order to trade Lindor, who has a year left, we had to throw in a perfectly usable number two starter in Carlos Carrasco. It's like, like they had to do that in order to somebody to take, I mean, Carrasco's 33. He's not near the end. It feels like a tack on uh salary dump trade. They, uh, yeah. And I mean, I, I feel like that's not the way to move Francisco Lindor, but that's just me, the baseball fan. Talking. I mean, if this happened in fantasy, it wouldn't happen in fantasy. This would have been, this would have been the kind of trade in fantasy where the person trading away Lindor would be ejected from the league. And I, and you know my stance on trade vetoing and and votes. It would it well, result the expulsion of that team. <laughs> I mean, you should you should tell everybody what is your stance. To me, I don't I don't like to play in leagues where you can overturn a trade, but I don't play in leagues where anybody's going to do collusion. The only way you can overturn a trade is if it's if it's clear collusion. Somebody is trade the last place team is trading the first place team something because he wants them to win. Something like that. This trade here would never happen in fantasy, just like the U Darvish trade. You can't make a trade a, a case for the Darvish trade in fantasy because the Cubs didn't get anything back. Zach Davies, are you kidding me? The prospects are so far away. You can't make a case for either of these trades in fantasy. You could have for the Blake Snell trade, I think. Um and what was the other deal uh, that San Diego got another pitcher? I mean, yeah, that was a Snell trade. So, but this is really bad. That's I don't know. My stance I mean, on like, what's your take? What's your take on overturning trades in fantasy? I don't like it. I rarely do it. I'm as open-minded on trades as possible, especially in keepers or dynasty leagues. 
if it's a redraft league, I, I think you need to try to let people have fun as they may. But yeah, there is collusion in other leagues. I mean, I, I can tell you from my own personal experience, it was a football league, but I did have a case of what was clear collusion between two people who happened to be related. And it unfortunately cost another perfectly deserving team a championship in that league. And those people were actually offended by being called out on a, uh, about it. Were they, they quit the league as a result and were never heard from from anybody again. So it turned out to be the right call. But that's an extreme example. And you have to be really careful. You, you, know, you, can, you can definitely offend people. You don't want to accuse people of things that you can't prove. And you know, that's a tough one. That's why I say you know, try to be as patient and as understanding with trades as you possibly can. I couldn't in this case in a fantasy league. I couldn't. Could you, you couldn't either. There's no, no way. There's no but way. We don't, but we don't have the, the salary contexts that Cleveland and New York you know, Mets have. We, we, we are not dealing with those. We have a salary cap for an auction league and some leagues to carry it during the year. But I don't think anybody's ever put in that situation where they have to think this way. No. I mean, in, in one of our leagues, Lindor would have gotten – maybe it would have been a top prospect. And you could say, oh, okay, I've got control of this player for years, you know, or maybe somebody just debuted, like a Cabrian Hayes or Alec Bohm. That you could make the case for, you know, based on salaries, contracts in a fantasy or simulation sense. This you can't make much of a case for at all, except Cleveland had to shed all this salary. We should note the Mets might not be done here. They're obviously not done. I don't I don't think that Brandon Nimmo is really a center fielder. There's a rumor now going around on Twitter and Twitter's never wrong. That Jackie Bradley Jr., that could be a target for the Mets because they don't need somebody to bat at the top of the lineup. They could dump him at seven, eight, nine, and just let him, you know, have a great season defensively. Wow, can you imagine? I mean, like, because and that would mean they're not going after Springer. And that would be interesting in that respect. Yeah. And who knows what happens to Bauer. And by the way, the Mets do have Malik Smith. You just mentioned Malik Smith. I didn't even realize yeah, that's what they, they brought him in. Didn't they bring in Jose Peraza too? They brought in a couple of guys, yeah, yeah. I think, in November on minor league deals. I think it was pre Cohen. Yeah. So, anyway, I, hopefully we'll find out soon about the designated hitter because that would affect how they how they use Pete Alonso, Dominic Smith, and I just got an email that one of my leagues is staying with a DH in a sim league, and I can't wait to reply to it when I get off this you know podcast and say, "What are you thinking?" But it's staying with the DH, or it's reverting from the DH. No, it's it's American League is DH and the National League is staying without the DH. Huh. Yeah, and the one and the league you mentioned before that you and I are in, we are well, yeah, we haven't decided the future years, but we are staying with the DH. Well, I hope Major League Baseball goes full DH, because I'm tired of watching pitchers hit, whether it's real life or sim. But all right, any final thoughts here? Because our next podcast could be tomorrow if there's, you know, a big trade or Bauer or Springer happen, and we'll we'll see what happens with this if people liked it and then maybe we'll go it again. Um we talked about Cleveland. That's bad. We talked about the Mets side. That's good. I don't think anything else happened in baseball that we need to deal with, so we'll just shut it down. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the, the only other thing that happened was Blake trying and signing with the Dodgers, and I don't think that's uh, big news other than it's a disappointment to you who had forecasted that he'd get a clear closer job on opening day, and I liked your thinking there. I thought he was going to end up in Seattle. I'm glad he didn't end up with my team. Phillies, I'm, I, I thought would give him like three years and $30 million, <laughs> but now they're not spending any money at all. They are oh. only bringing in guys who have been like retired for three years to be in their bullpen. So I'm actually happy the the Phillies didn't spend money on trying it. Um, but the Dodgers did, and that's interesting because now you've got Trinan and Knable sitting there, way and Gratterall. And Gratterall. 
Restore Gratterall's still lurking around. I would argue this is just not good news for Kenley Jansen. Like, if he's struggling this this May, they will absolutely replace him as closer. And and those signings then of trade too uh, definitely have me thinking twice about my Kenley Jansen take this year. The, the, remember, I made the case for him in the past couple of seasons based on job security. I don't know that there that we're anywhere close to where it was entering twenty twenty one. Um, tomorrow we're going to do a full 30 minute podcast on the Yankees getting Greg Allen from the Padres. <laughs> <laughs> I so. love it. You know, I'd talk anything Yankee bench related. Sure. Why not? <laughs> hey, I'm enjoying it after in the two thousands, they built no bench. They had almost literally no bench every year from 2000, 2009. So, you know, it's no big deal. Oh, well, this, this certainly moved the needle on that a whole lot. All right. We're done for today. Thank you so much for listening to our little fantasy focus baseball podcast. Great job out of Tristan H. Cockroft and Kyle Soppy as well. Good job of the Mets and I guess Cleveland. That's it for today. I'm Eric Carabell. Have an awesome week.